You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. You're listening to Metamorphosis, a podcast designed to help medical students navigate their medical careers. My name is Adam. And my name is Alan. Welcome to episode one of Group Chat, a more casual version of Metamorphosis, where we sit down with a group of our medical student peers and get answers to all of your burning questions. Today, we have four students from UBC Medicine's class of 2022. All of these students are currently halfway through their clerkship year and have graciously decided to give up some of their limited relaxation time to chat with us. So we'll let all of them introduce themselves in track order. Hi, my name is Yulia, and I'm in track A. I'm Sophie, and I'm in track B. I'm Ryan, I'm in track C. Hi, I'm Tracy, I'm in track D. Amazing. So our first question is to get you to talk a little bit about the track selection process. Um, Ali and I just went through it, and funnily enough, we are in the exact same track. So we're he can't stop following me around. Um, it's not the only reason that we're in the same track, but it may have been a deciding factor. Um, we wanted just to get you to talk a bit about uh, why you maybe ended up in the track you did. I know it's a lottery system, but if you ranked it for any specific reason, maybe there was a strategy to it, um, and what your rationale was when it kind of came back down to that. Sure, I guess I can go first. So I picked track A um, because I kind of wanted to experience surgery right off the bat and see whether that's something I want to pursue. I wasn't really decided on surgery versus medicine. Plus, I liked the idea of starting with kind of big general topics like surgery and internal medicine right away. I felt like that would give me a good knowledge base for other rotations later on. Um, and then in addition to that, you also start with quite a bit of call in general surgery and then in internal medicine. So I thought it would be nice to get that out of the way as well. I tend to have peak energy levels at the start of the school year and then those <laughs> gradually drop off. So I wanted to get kind of the higher energy things out of the way first. And I feel like it worked just as I planned. And, and yeah, I'm pretty happy with my selection ultimately. Um, yeah. Nice. That's wonderful. I can jump in. Um, so I wanted B and that's where I ended up. Um, my choice was mostly rooted in my interest in surgery. Um, so I was wanting to have surgery in the first half of my um, clerkship just so that I could have some exposure prior to elective selection. Ours really ended up falling kind of during elective selection, um, but B allowed me to do that. Um, it also gave me exposure to obstetrics and gynecology, which was one specialty that I thought maybe I would be interested in. Um, and so I had that exposure and then I also had my surgery block around elective selection time. Um, and yeah, I guess the other reason would be that um, I wouldn't, didn't have to start with surgery. So I'd had a little bit of clerkship, clerkship experience under my belt before jumping into surgery. Right. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I picked track uh, C for a few reasons. People call it the chill track because you, <sighs> you enter with a, like emergency medicine and family medicine, which deals with a wide variety of topics mm -hmm. and can set yourself up well for a lot of the 
other rotations, depending on what you do for rural and where you are for emerged, because um, you get to see a whole slew of things in internal ambulatory also gives you that opportunity. So you have that to start with and eases you into things, I think, more so than other rotations. Um, and also, if you're worried about traveling during the winter to somewhere, someplace rural, um, it's nice to ha have track C because you would get your rural family practice during the summertime. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in our year because it was altered due to COVID, but you would be able to go somewhere, experience it over the summer, which I feel has a lot of upsides um, if you're interested in also doing a bit of exploring while you're about on rural. Mm -hmm. And you end up with, you know, the large rotations at the end, which you build towards. So it's a gradual build your skills to towards that. It was more challenging a, a rotation such as surgery and internal. So um, I was quite the opposite of everyone here. Um, I was super indecisive. I didn't know if I liked internal or if I liked emerge or family. I was kind of all over the place. So I felt like D was a good choice because um, it would have happened before elective selection. I would have done internal, I would have done psych and um, family and a little bit of emerge before choosing my electives. Uh, that didn't happen ultimately. And I also would have been able to do rural during the fall and that would have still been nice to do some hikes there, but that also didn't happen. Um, but I'm ultimately super happy with the decision I made. Um, I started off uh, kind of diving right into the deep end, did CTU first. Um, I think it was a wonderful experience, um, very low expectations for our first rotation, um, but I learned so much um, doing CTU first because um, you get exposure to the hospital and um, write like call and writing progress notes and dictations, all this stuff you kind of get right off the bat. And I felt like it set me up really well for um, my rotations to come. Yeah, and it worked out. That all makes a lot of sense. Obviously everyone gave it some, some solid thought. And for those who might be in first year listening to this episode, just to clarify kind of the order for each of the tracks, um, I can say that track A starts with surgery, and I know that that one is typically either ruling in surgery or getting surgery over with at the start. And then we have track B, which is either surgery gunners or people that wanna get peds done earlier on. Uh, and then track C, as Ryan mentioned, kind of the lifestyle track, um, <laughs> starting with your eMERGE family, ambulatory, and then finally track D, which to me seemed like the most overwhelming, um, but what Tracy, said also makes a lot of sense. And that one starts with uh, internal medicine and psychology, psychiatry, psychology, <laughs> even I'm getting twisted now. It's a quick alley spin through the, uh, the track selection process. <laughs> this is what he said to me and then I'd followed him into track B. So now I guess reflecting on that, like on, on, you know, the reason you chose the track, do you think that, you know, the rationale rang true for you? And, you know, looking back, do you think that selecting your track over another track really made any difference at all? Because some people in our class have ended up with their ninth or 10th or 11th pick. I don't think it makes a difference, to be honest. Um, I mean, maybe our year is slightly different given that things were moved around because of COVID and things didn't happen when we expect them to. But ultimately, regardless of what track you take, you still have to do all the rotations. Um, and I think every track you learn, you, you, you learn from all the tracks, right? It's not like you're going to 
learn differently what whatever order you go in. Um, it's just a matter of for per people personally, it might be what they want to rule in a ruler or what they want to get done, um, which is important for people. Um, but there is no one tried and true strategy, right? For example, you could say, well, I want to do this rotation first because I want to rule it out. Or if it's something that you're interested in, maybe I should hold it off to the end because it'll be close to Carms and maybe I could get a letter, right? She can always advocate one way or another for a certain selection. I don't think it really makes a big difference in the grand scheme of things. It's more so than what you want out of it. Yeah, I'd agree with Ryan. I also have to say that my rationale for wanting to have um, a block before my surgery block, so I was a little more polished as a clerk, I don't think that really ended up how I thought it would end up. Um, honestly, every time you start a new rotation, it's like starting from scratch. And so um, having surgery flirt first, if you're interested in surgery or surgery second, um, it's always going to be brand new and you're always starting from scratch. Um, there's going to be, it's going to be nerve wracking and, um, it's going to take that adjustment period. So whether it's first, second, third, or last, I don't think, um, it really matters. Um, I think just as Ryan was saying, it kind of the place and timing of things can help with ruling in and out, but even if you don't have, if you're interested in surgery and you're trying to rule it in or out, like by having other things up front, that can also help you rule in or out. Um, and if surgery is all that's left and you know that you're really interested and you haven't enjoyed anything else, then there you go. There's your answer. That's a good point. I would totally agree with the whole, every time you start a new rotation, it's like your brand new baby bird all over again, like still feel so confused for the first day or two until you get your bearings. And it is a little bit better than having it as your first rotation, but I think there's always still that, that initial adjustment and it ultimately doesn't really matter what order you do things in. And I think hindsight is, is 2020 and, or no, I, that, that's not what I meant. I think <laughs> you ultimately like, you always rationalize the choice you ended up with and mm -hmm. you tend to see right. the positives. Right. So like every rotation will prepare you for another rotation in some way or another. And you'll end up being like, wow, I'm so glad I did this before that. Yeah, totally. totally makes sense. I mean, speaking of baby birds, I guess uh, it's probably a good time to ask what your expectations were going into your very first rotation. I know you guys had a unique situation where it was delayed a little bit, so you had a little more time to sit and stress with that, which we are all doing right now in our year. Um, but just wondering what your you know fears and expectations and things like that were going into your first first block, first day of clerkship. I um, started off with pediatrics which um, is something in second year you get a couple of months of teaching on. And so in second year, I was like, okay, that's not going to be too bad starting on pediatrics. And then I was getting closer and closer and realizing like how foreign it felt to me and that I really knew nothing about pediatrics. Um, so it was like not only the start of clerkship was intimidating, but then starting with pediatrics was pretty overwhelming for me. Um, and it's really easy to get caught up in this, like trying to learn everything about a specialty, which is so ridiculous prior to starting a, a rotation. Um, but I um, tried my best not to get too overwhelmed with that and just focused on something that a, a now fourth year had told me, which was prior to rotations, how they prepared. Um, and it was like just creating kind of cheat sheets for yourself. So basic things, like basic things like coming up with 
or familiarizing yourself with a history for that specialty. So for peds, like a, a pediatric history and then maybe like a neonatal um, or kind of like delivery admission type history. And then going through your neonatal exam, something that you learn in second year, but you kind of do and then never think of again, yeah. going through those things and having them handy for you, for yourself on the ward, because really that's like, those are the only expectations when you get there. It's like, if you're asked to go do a consult, if you have a little cheat sheet for, for yourself, like a template to go off of, it's so much less nerve wracking because you're like, okay, just follow this exact template. If mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about or what the condition is, like that can come later and we can talk through that with the preceptor. But um, I found that really helpful to, instead of trying to learn the whole specialty the day or weekend before, right. going through that, having kind of those under my belt and having an actual copy with me. And I still do that. I do that for all my rotations now. And I find that really helpful. With regards to having like the extended time before we started, I will say that I did not use it very like effectively or efficiently. Um, I definitely tried to watch the lectures and things that we had, but I honestly can't say I remember anything I learned from them. And I think that kind of speaks to what Sophie was saying, that you can't really expect to learn everything about a specialty before you go into it. And right. even the specialties where I deliberately tried to dedicate the weekend before to like even learning the basics, I would often find that I go in on the first day and then that kind of makes me realize I've been studying the wrong things. And then based on the patients I see, then I know what I actually need to read about and focus on. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about preparing over the break or anything like that. I think ultimately you're still going to be pretty clueless when you show up the first day. Um, and it really just takes, you know, learning on the job and being put into that environment and, and having the residents show you the ropes. That's pretty key as well. Um, but overall, I think my expectation going into clerkship was that I would be like super clueless and, and feel like I don't know anything, but you kind of get into the rhythm pretty quickly once you're shown what to do. And especially since I started on gen surge, there were just so many tasks constantly that you don't even have time really to second guess yourself. You're just doing busy work all day. And then you go home and realize that you actually learned a ton and it's, it's really fun and so different from classroom learning because you don't have to actively try to focus on the lecture and make the notes you're actually doing things and seeing patients and it, it just kind of all starts to fit together in a different way which was really cool I'm really happy to hear that because that's that's one thing that I can like foreshadow myself thinking about which is will those four weeks off or whatever we get this year actually feel like a vacation or am I just yeah. going to continuously stress about <laughs> you know my very first rotation and yeah. being as prepared as possible for it I think so yes. many of us feel like we have to like be attendings coming into day one and look, we've had all the lectures on us, so we absolutely should have all these pathologies memorized and be ready for that. No, I, I definitely have to echo Yulia and Sophie. Um, the four weeks that you guys have prior to clerkship starting, I think you need to just travel. Like, well, maybe if COVID-19 didn't <laughs> exist, but... <laughs> Mental travel. Just, yeah, mental travel. Just relax. Go to the beach. Go hiking. Do do things that you love. I think making the most of the time that you have with your family and your loved ones, and just just be you. I don't think you need to spend any time um, prepping for it, other than maybe reading like your orientation package, so you know where to go for the first day and um, what you should be bringing, um, and maybe like reading about uh, how to write a dictation and how to write like a progress note, stuff like that, like practical things. I don't think you need to study um, concepts because that's something that you're going to be learning on the job. 
um, more than anything, I think the first two years of medicine were kind of, they set me up for success in, in one way, I guess, but I felt like I learned a lot more with patients. Like I could, I could put faces, um, faces to the specific like presentations. And I felt like that was way more helpful. And that's what makes third year so much more fun. You get to interact with like people and not just a textbook or lectures. And I think that's what you should kind of look forward to and not spend time reading uh, lectures and notes from your first and second years. It's not, it's really not going to help you all that much. Um, And then in terms of expectations for myself, uh, going into CTU, I knew I was going to probably drown. Like we were just getting thrown right into the deep end the first day. Um, So we got oriented in the first hour. And then right after that, my resident was like, okay, go see this patient. I'm like, cool. What, like, what's their issue? Like, what do I do? (laughs) And they're like, just, just read their chart and then go see them. So that first day I read, I read this patient's chart. Um, and that very first day I also pissed off the patient because he was like, why are you taking so long to talk to me? I'm like, I don't know. I felt like I needed to get to know you. He's like, no, don't talk to me anymore. Um, but that's, that's kind of, those are those experiences you kind of don't need to take to heart. And then throughout that rotation, that patient became like a homie to me. He actually got okay. excited to see me and I got excited to see him like things. You'll, you'll just pick it up really, really quick, but yeah, just, just be prepared to take everything in and, and have fun. I think is the, the most important thing. I feel refreshed. Like I feel yeah. like my anxiety levels just dropped instantly. So. <laughs> Good. Like, it also, you have to know that the feelings that you feel now, we still, well, at least I, I guess I should only speak for myself. I feel before every rotation still. And I know right. next year before electives, I'll feel the exact same way. Like you're, it's, there's always going to be nerves. It's always going to be, you know, the day, the day before the week leading up to, you know, going to a new hospital, figuring out the new um, EMR, like figuring out how that service runs and how you, where you fit in within that. Like it's, it's um, that feeling of starting a new job just over and over and over again. It doesn't ever really feel natural, but we're all in it together and everyone's going through it every couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So don't, <laughs> don't stress too much about it. That's really easier said than done, but we're all here over. We're all over here stressing about it too. <laughs> it doesn't really go away. <laughs> It's like the only prep you do ahead of time. It's just the the classic stress that we all do and then uh, get through it and go to day one, right? <laughs> yeah, and then you show up and you're okay. <laughs> nice. So the next question we have is kind of like a fill-in-the-blank question. Uh, so it goes like this. When I started doing blank, I found it helpful because blank. So what was something that maybe you started doing you know, a couple days into clerkship, a couple weeks into clerkship that maybe really, you know, improved your experience, made things easier, um, or just made clerkship more fun, perhaps? Um, I have one. So when I started, or I should say stopped comparing myself to residents and those much more senior to myself, um, it made things better because it just relieved unnecessary expectations, really just expectations I had put on myself, but no one else had of me. Um, and it really helped with my learning. 
I think it's very easy in these team environments where, especially if you're the only medical student, sometimes that's the case, sometimes you're with other medical students, but there's everyone, really everyone is more senior to you while you're, when you're in clerkship and it's really easy to um, compare yourself to others or feel frustrated with yourself because you're not there, but you shouldn't be there. Like no one expects you to be there. Um, and uh, I found that when I was able, I constantly remind myself to just drop that and focus on a couple of key things that I wanted to take out, take away from the day or learn that day. Um, it made things a lot better for my learning and also just kind of helped um, some of the stress fade away. Um, okay, I have one. Um, when I started journaling, jotting down thoughts, it helped me like reflect on my career journey a little more. Um, I didn't start doing this right away in clerkship because I kind of got swept up by everything and just trying to stay on top of things and would get home pretty tired every day. But then I started like making the deliberate effort to write down just thoughts about patients I've seen and cases I've been involved with and just different aspects of each specialty that I'm experiencing. And I found this super useful because honestly, especially in medicine, like it can be hard to find time to really reflect and introspect. And I feel like, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but my whole life I've been so focused on getting into medicine and I've never really thought about what I want my future to look like and, and the logistical aspects of lifestyle. And it can, it can be hard to know about those things before you really get into clerkship and, and start seeing things like billing and, and administration and running an, a clinic and, and paying staff and things like that. And that's something that you kind of start to get insight into once you work one-on-one -on -one with attendings. Um, so yeah, I just started reflecting a little bit more on those things to help me decide what I want for my own future and, and what kind of things I do and don't want for myself. I need to start doing that, Yulia. You've inspired <laughs> me. Yeah. Portfolio forces you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I no find kidding. that. Yeah, I do pretty. I do pretty superficial reflections for portfolio, though. I will say, <laughs> that's on my list for tonight. That's next. <laughs> yeah, it's on everybody's list for tonight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for what you started doing, or something you changed in clerkship? Um, I guess I, I could go next. Um. When I started carrying a small pocket notebook with my scrubs, um, I found that it was helpful to write down um, briefly like one sentence or one line of the patients that I had seen for, for the day. So 54-year-old female with CHF next, 67-year-old male with AKI something like that, just to write down a list of the patients I had seen. I found that it was really helpful to go home at the end of the day and reflect on the cases that I did see throughout the day um, in my journal and also um, to help me log in 145 because I know you have to log the must-sees and must-dos. Um, I felt that you see a lot of patients in a day and it's very easy to forget what you've done because things can move so quickly. Um, so taking a moment of your day to write in your pocket notebook, this is what I saw. And then even writing down, oh, the preceptor, you know, gave me this clinical pearl. I'm going to write that down um, and I'm going to go home and study this for the day. And, you, you know, it helps you kind of stay organized and remember, I saw this case. This is an interesting case. I was involved in this. I'm going to go home and read around this person's case, like this presentation. Um, I thought that was really helpful. And I carried that notebook with me every day um, to every rotation. 
It sounds like this portfolio thing really settles in in third year. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the one thing that I've done that I think I've started taking time for myself, where that be exercising or making your own meals, that is a big positive boost in terms of, you know, your well-being, right? Because you can get stuck doing a lot of boring and a lot of busy work during the day. Sometimes it can be frustrating. You can have good days, bad days. You can have long days. Uh, but if you make time for yourself uh, during clerkship, you know, kind of foregoing the studying and all that and just doing something that you like, um, it really is a big thing. It makes that makes your day or week that much better. Um, and it's something that people should always try taking time to do. Um, even on the busiest rotations, it's can be difficult, but it's well worth it. I think that's like a good transition point because we wanted to talk about wellness and whether, you know, wellness and clerkship is, is really just an oxymoron because what we continue to hear is that, you know, students tell us, oh, it's going to be okay and everything's going to be fine. And then we have multiple sessions as part of the curriculum that either have the word resiliency yeah. or avoiding burnout written on Entrada and that <laughs> raises our, our stress levels as well. So do you agree with, with, you know, the statement that wellness can be achieved during clerkship and should be achieved? Can be. I think it depends. It depends on a lot of factors, though. Um, some rotations are just bound to be busier and more difficult to challenging than others because of how the call schedule is and all that. So it does make it more challenging um, to do those things. Like if you're on surgery, you know, you're going to be one in four call. You might have a run of call where you might be one in three, one in two at some times. You might be working the weekend. So it might feel like an endless onslaught of stuff. Um, but you know, you have to accept with a grain of salt that there will be challenging times. But I still think there are times where you can make time for yourself. Um, it has, doesn't have to be too long either. It can be um, you know, going to you know, going to bed early, or it could be something that something that you value that you can do, even if it's only for an hour, I think it makes a big difference. It's an yeah. interesting point because I think something that came up when we were chatting with some of our classmates in a actually in a previous episode was the kind of inability a lot of med students have to commit to time for yourself. And I think I imagine even in clerkship, that's almost more difficult than when we're going through lectures and we have a schedule like set in front of us. It's, you know, you come home, but now you're thinking about the next day and you're prepping for the new cases that you're going to see tomorrow. Um, I imagine that's a, a difficulty. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I echo that. I just came off of my three months of surgery, and before that, I was on OBSGYNE. So I had a pretty busy kind of four months. Um, and I think, like, wellness is such an individual thing. For me, I honestly, I was the busiest I've probably ever been these past four months. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also super happy um, because I that's how I operate and I, I enjoy that. Um, I, I think, um, as Ryan was saying, like having a couple of things that, um, are kind of non-negotiable things that you can fit into your time schedule, regardless of how busy you are is, is good. And that keep you kind of grounded and human. And I have to admit that I'm not very good at forcing myself to do those things. Um, but having people that kind of hold you accountable for that, whether it's, friends, like friends within 
the medical community or a significant other or family. Um, I think that that's what helps keep me grounded is having people remind me because I'm not often good at doing that, you know, taking that time for myself. And then also just planning things like it sounds silly, but but like planning um, it's hard with COVID, but like safe socializing or a Zoom session, like planning those into your schedule because it's it's important. Um, you like as fun as it can be to be go, go, go at the hospital. And then um, you can often come home and kind of get carried away with prepping or reading or whatever. Um, yeah, it's important to have that socialization outside of medicine as well. I will also add that I feel like the the drive to panic study kind of slows down after the first month or two <laughs> of clerkship. Like I for sure felt like I had to go home and read about everything in general surgery for my first three weeks. Um, but after a few weeks of clerkship, I kind of realized that it's probably not really making a huge difference in my performance throughout the day. And the majority of my learning still happens like on the ward or looking up things on up to date between patients or before I present to my staff. Um, so yeah, like whenever I felt tired and thought, oh, I should probably read this chapter, but I don't want to, I would just take the evening off. And I think you just have to recognize that sometimes you just need to do nothing and, you know, take that time for yourself and it's okay. Yeah. So to echo, sorry, Sophie. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. To echo what you guys have all said. Um, I'm sure you've heard tons of times before that clerkship is a marathon and I really like that metaphor because I kind of view um, days off or half days off as kind of like your your water stations. And then imagine that people that you love, your significant others, your family members, your friends, people that you really, really care about, um, they're standing at those water stations cheering you on. And I think it's okay sometimes to stop, grab a, grab a drink, and give them all a hug when it's safe you know, to do so, and it's not COVID. Um, but with that metaphor, I think it's, it really depends on what you value, of course, but just to take that time um, to make sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself and making sure that, um, you know, your family knows that you're thinking of them and um, they're cheering you on. And I think wellness is absolutely achievable during clerkship if um, that's something that you really value. But I can totally resonate with so much of what's been said here. I know it personally, it took me so long to like get over the feeling of like feeling guilty when I wasn't studying, knowing when other people were studying. And that was, you know, that happened a lot in first year because it just felt like we were studying all the time. Totally. We'd leave the lecture hall, walk 10 steps into the main area of LSC and put our stuff down to start studying again. So um, I'm happy to hear that, uh, you know, wellness is achievable no matter, you know, what that kind of looks like and that, Maybe you have to adjust it based on how busy your rotation is. And I think that's just, you know, the reality of it. But I think those were great answers. So thank you, everyone. Yeah. And I think all kind of on the vein of scheduling and making that planned commitment for, you know, time for yourself, uh, can you just briefly talk about what like an average day in clerkship looks like? I know it changes depending on what rotation you're in. And that's an absolute gauntlet of a question. But like, is it is it roughly, you know, you're at work most of the day and your evenings are off and you're maybe studying, maybe meal prepping, maybe passing out in your bed. It's a bit of all that. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's such a range. Um, 
So <laughs> I just had like a complete 180 going from surgery to psychiatry, which I started today. Um, so my day to day with psychiatry was unreal. I woke up, uh, I guess like six 30, but I didn't start till 8am, which is probably the latest I've started in clerkship. And I was off by 4pm. So it's possible like wellness will be achieved in this next, these next five weeks. Um, and from what I've heard, that's largely going to be my next five weeks, but then rewind a week. Um, I was at the hospital by 5.45 a.m., 5.30. Um, this was for thoracic surgery, 5.30 a.m. Started rounding at 6. Um, and I guess this kind of speaks to a lot of the surgical um, rotation, but you usually round early um, while the poor patients are usually still half asleep, um, basically with the idea of rounding before the OR starts, which is usually like 7.40 um, and then your day would be dependent, like change whether you're in clinic or in the OR or doing consults. Um, and my usual departure time ranged between like six and 8 PM when I wasn't on call, but like some of that was more, um, if you want to get, if you want to get out of there, like when you're supposed to get out of there, you can get out of there. Um, right. it really like, in clerkship, you can stay and do as much as you want. <laughs> or if you have a prior, or if you want to get home and like uh, that's what's important to you, then you can get home at a reasonable time. Hmm. Um, and usually, when I got home, I wouldn't wouldn't be studying much. I would be pretty exhausted and and take that time to myself. Yeah, okay. yeah, those are long days. Yeah, yeah, it can be hugely variable between specialties, but even within a specialty, like between different sites, you can have such different experiences. Like. I just finished psychiatry too. My hours were even shorter than Sophie's. So I would often start at 9 a.m. The staff wouldn't even show up until 9.30. Um, and then we would be done by 12.30, even though I was scheduled for a whole day with them. And that would be the day. Right. <laughs> or wow. like even some surgical specialties. Like I had orthopedics out in Abbotsford and I'd have days where I'm scheduled for a clinic a whole day and we only end up working four hours. And right. I didn't have really and I only had two OR days in orthopedics but then there's other people who had orthopedics at other places and they were in the OR all day every day mm. so uh, it can be quite variable being comfortable with flexibility then changing schedules which is something we actually probably all have learned to be in COVID that's true yeah. I think a big thing with COVID though too is that in some rotations are more impacted than others in terms of who you can see patient volumes and all that um, for example, in pediatrics, we didn't have nearly the same level of admissions when I was on PCTU at Children's. Uh, we Our lists were like down like eight patients for like three residents and two MSIs. Right. Um, so it, it also really, this year's also been a bit of a blip because some rotations have been significantly impacted. Um, so there's, there's something that like, takes things with a grain of salt too, because it will vary depending on what time of year it is, where you are, what specialty you're in. Also, um, if people haven't talked about it already, post-call days are a huge treat. <laughs> I like, maybe I indulge a bit too much on my post-call days, but for whatever reason, I feel like I just deserve the world post-call. So whether you're up all night or not, you come home having a full day off in the middle of the week. Um, sometimes it's on the weekend, but in the middle of the week is, is huge. 
Um, and sometimes you'll need to sleep the whole day. Sometimes you won't. And on the days that you don't need to sleep the whole day, um, it's really great to have that, that day and that time to yourself. Um, so we're really lucky to have those and they are very much protected for medical students. Um, so if call seems like, uh, a bit of a daunting thing, potentially having to be up for 26 hours, um, a post-call day is glorious and it makes it worth it, at least from my perspective. <laughs> Easy to commit to some time off if you've been out for 26 hours. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you emerge from the hospital at the end of a 26-hour shift and it's sunny and it's a beautiful day and you're like, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to spend the whole day outside. <laughs> the nicest thing ever. So we've actually got a little list. It's funny that you mentioned being on call of some concerns. We have a, a, a Google Sheet of 2023 um, clerkship tracks. Um, and one of our boxes is uh, things that people are nervous about or concerned about for clerkship. And being on call is one of them. Um, and another one is lack of sleep. Um, so I'm wondering if any of you wanna, wanna talk about that, uh, that fear and looming sense of just being tired and exhausted and maybe a little bit grumpy. Call, call is actually a lot of fun. I know, okay, that's probably not what you expected, <laughs> but... <laughs> fun, is, fun is a word. <laughs> so um, when I was in CTU, um, we had, like Sophie said, 26-hour calls. We would start the day at 8 a.m. We would have uh, morning rounds, which is kind of like teaching by our chief resident um, for one hour. Then we go and round on patients um, and then kind of have a discussion, you know, finish off our tasks throughout the day that usually takes till about 4 or 5 p.m. And the thing with CTU is you do call call with your team, at least at RCH, you did it with your, your team, your CTU team. And it was like a really, really fun time for bonding, um, getting to know each other. We always had dinner provided to us by our staff. Nice. They always bought dinner, which is great. Um, and as an MSI, the expectations are very low. Like <laughs> you're not going to get paged all that much because they know that you're probably going to ask your resident anyway. So they usually call, they usually page the residents. Um, and your, your seniors are usually really, really lovely and nice. And they're so supportive. Um, they let you sleep as much as possible. So it sounds scary, but call is actually a lot of fun. Um, and when you, get called for a consult uh, in Emerge and you, it's actually super exciting. I don't, I don't know, to me, it was very exciting. I, I, you get to, you know, meet a patient for the first time, go through their chart and this is your time to like shine. This is your time yeah. to like present to your senior resident and present to your attending what you know and the problem list that you have for this patient and attempt to plan for them moving forward. It's, um, it's a lot of learning and like I said, call call and clerkship is what you make of it. So um, it's okay to be scared, um, but just take, I think, take each um, day at a time, take each moment um, at a time, and you guys will get through it for sure. I agree with Tracy. I think call's really fun. Um, like there's times that it's not, but um, I would say it's some of the best learning. Um, you usually are with a resident and or an attending on your own. Um, and when you're being called in the middle of the night, it's because they need you or more so they need the resident or attending. So it's usually pretty, it's, I've always found them to be really interesting cases to be involved in. Um, and 
yeah, I, I probably went the most when I'm on call. And it, you don't think that your body can do it, but adrenaline kicks in and you will, it'll just happen. Like it'll be totally fine. Um, and then when you get to the morning, you feel so accomplished and you're like, okay, time to, time to head home and refresh. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy call. Um, and I think you all will too. And oh, I, sh- I was going to say that if you do find yourself, like if you don't enjoy, say, an obstetrics waking up for because another baby's delivering, like it's a great way to also rule in and rule out things. Like if there's things mm-hmm. that you don't want to wake up for, that's a great way to figure it out. And then, you know, if I don't want to wake up for them at this stage of my career, then I'm at 50 years old when I maybe have a family at home or I have other responsibilities and I'm certainly not going to want to wake up for that. So it's another good way to kind of test out a specialty and see, um, first off, if there is call in that specialty and, or what call consists of in that specialty. And, and is it something that you're willing to wake up at 2am for? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I think that's a great piece of advice that you'll get to test it out in that way and really see if it is something that, you dread or if it's something you're excited to wake up for. And I'll second Sophie's point that your body can handle more than you think. And that when there's exciting stuff going on, you'll forget that you need to sleep until when you're done with everything and you finally get to lie down on your bed and you're like, wow, I was tired. I didn't even realize. (laughs) Just one thing, always bring more food than you think you need because cafes close down or cafeterias in the in the hospitals close down and you won't have as many food options and often if you're up you know you, you don't think you need snacks you think you just need dinner and breakfast but if you're up the whole night just bring food that was a lesson learned early on in clerkship seems like a lesson learned the hard way of a little bit of hanger but <laughs> yes <laughs> so we have three votes for call is not that bad okay. maybe even fun ryan you got to either bring it home <laughs> Or honest, I, don't, I don't mind call. I think it really depends on what you're doing, though. Um, I found for certain rotations that call is a bit boring, um, especially if you're having a slow night, actually. I found that slow nights are actually worse than the busier ones because you're like, is something going to happen? Do we have to wait for something? You know, I find that actually the busier nights are the better nights because you're actually there, you're doing something, you know what's expected of you. Whereas if it's a very slow night, you're... Your sleep quality isn't going to be great anyways in those call rooms. So you're kind of half asleep. You're like, you wake up at 2.30, did my phone ring, did I miss something? And you're like, no. And you go back to sleep and you repeat that in like two hours. So to be honest, if you do have calls, it's a great learning experience. It's the time where you learn the most because you're also given a fair bit more responsibility during those hours um, because you're expected to see the patient, work up the patient on your own, then go back to your resident attending to discuss it. Um, so I find that busier call days are actually more enjoyable and better. So I don't think it's that bad. I think if it's slow, actually, it's probably the worst. I'll take yeah. that as a fourth. Yep. <clears throat> Circle back to us in a year and we'll make it six. <laughs> yeah. So the other top kind of top rated thing that, uh, that current second years are most nervous about is uh, getting quiz or getting put in their place uh on the wards so has that happened to you what was that experience like and really was there anything that you know you wish you would have done differently for it to have gone better it depends on how a person does it so 
there are people who will try to probe your knowledge to to help you, right? To identify knowledge gaps to mm-hmm. further your learning, right? Because you don't. It's hard to know what you don't know at this stage of the game, and by having attendings and stuff do that, they are they are trying to help you. Um, there are circumstances where that can be um, hard, like um, very detrimental if it's done a certain way. Um, I don't think I've experienced that at this point in time, but you know, it's a it's a long ways to go, and you know, you don't know who you'll be up with, so you gotta take the punches as they come. But I've always found it to be quite beneficial and helpful, actually. Yeah, I find that pimping, I, I know we're not really supposed to use that, but that's kind of what people throw around as is what it's called. Um, I find it doesn't happen as often as I thought it would. Um, and sometimes when I'm not questioned, I almost wish I was questioned because I'm like, oh, I think I like know something about this. Ask me. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's times when I certainly do not know what I'm talking about. And I'm so thankful that they don't ask me. Um, but there's a lot of times where you won't know. And um, I never once have um, had a poor have been had a poor reaction from a preceptor when I said I don't know. Um, and if it's something that they have time to explain and they'll explain, and if not, then you can kind of just say, I'll read up on it. Um, and I find that being comfortable saying, I don't know, is being important. Um, and then there's also, I've, um, encountered very few preceptors like this, but there's certain preceptors where you won't do anything right. Um, and that's just (laughs) how it is. And you just kind of have to bite your tongue and, and, um, and realize that uh, it's not a reflection of you, um, but um, just continue on and then that day will soon pass and you'll forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely never been shamed for not knowing anything. Like the questioning will happen, but it's honestly a really great way to learn. And oftentimes it'll be like kind of case-based discussion and, and really in, enhance your learning around a topic. And I've never had anyone say like, oh, you should know that and then just abandon the topic. There's always teaching around it and always further discussion. And and even if you don't know, like take your best guess, like at least it shows that you're thinking about it and you have some kind of medical reasoning and they'll usually appreciate that. So yeah, it's not as bad as you think it will be. Well, I think that was all great advice. Before we started this episode, we actually had posted to, to Instagram to see if anybody had any burning questions that they wanted to ask. And this is mostly first and second year students. Um, so maybe we'll get one answer for each of these questions and we'll just rapidly go through them. Um, so we have one question, which is, how do you study and learn while in clerkship? Example, um, how are you reading around cases, et cetera? As the question says, read around cases. <laughs> Up to date, find your, re- find your go-to resource and just read about that specific case that interests you that day. Are you, are you doing that as you go? Or are you doing that, uh, you know, kind or of come so home have a and chance. make a list? And... I wouldn't say like you do it for every single case you saw, but if there's something that you particularly like we're interested in, like make a note of that and look up it after. Or if there's something that you didn't understand, you know, take note of that and look into it. See what you didn't understand and look for. But don't, don't study every single patient that you saw on the ward and Right. Go into the nitty-gritty detail about management of this specific disease that, you know, you weren't expected to know at this stage of the game. Right. That makes sense. 
totally okay our next rapid fire question we're actually going to go almost around the horn and let's do it for your the first one that you went through your first block the question is what's the most daunting part of each rotation um so i guess we'll start with uh start with yulia started with surge right okay um starting on general surgery i was daunted by having not studied enough anatomy <laughs> going into it that's one thing right. that for sure you will for sure get pimped on and a good tip around that is like if you're at an you know you're scheduled to be at an or even if it's a hospital you haven't been at just call the or and ask what's on the slate for that surgeon you're working with oh. and like look up what those surgeries are and read about them and the relevant anatomy and then you'll be able to answer all the questions and look like a superstar because you'll know all the anatomy that is a great idea first folks that is uh, that is an tip. insider tip yeah I can go next. The thing that was most daunting for me is the amount of freedom that was given. For I started in ER, so the amount of freedom that you're given as an MSI, um, I feel it's across the board. Like emerge docs try to give students a lot of freedom in terms of you know seeing the patient, taking a history, doing all that, um, because it's probably the best learning opportunities you'll get um, in terms of seeing a lot of patients and being able to see a lot of different things and try managing them. So that was interesting being. One room you're dealing with, you know, like some very sick, critically ill patient who's had an MI to a laceration in the next room. So you're going jumping around all different things, which was quite nice, but also it can be daunting. Definitely. Okay, I have one for my, I guess my first block, my second rotation, which was OBS kind. Um, I found like kind of related to the freedom, we, had a lot of freedom to choose what we wanted to do. Um, oh, and I found that to be kind of daunting um, on days when I wasn't scheduled to be in the OR, but I could be involved in deliveries. And a lot of the deliveries were done by um, family physicians. So it was very much on me to ask to be involved. Um, and I found that a bit challenging to to figure out um but as soon as you ask <laughs> you realize that everyone's super welcoming and um is happy to have you follow along um and join in um so being comfortable with going and introducing yourself to people just saying i'm an msi and i'm hoping to join you for this um once you get over that that initial awkwardness it's very worth it um, and it can kind of make or break your learning experience. Honestly, after all this Zoom school, I don't know how I'm going to communicate with the real people. So right. oh, this I'm is so going to be an interesting sometimes. experiment. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, starting with CTU, everything was quite daunting. Um, but probably the scariest part was going, like rounding on patients on your own. And sometimes the preceptor, um, or your resident might not even like have time to go see them. So you really have to advocate for your patient and see how they're doing and come up with their problem list for the day. And, you know, you have to report back to your team and let them know, like, these are the things that I'm, I'm like concerned about and um, take responsibility for your patient's care. I think um, that's really important. Um, but I think it was also a really good learning opportunity, um, being able to come up with your own impression and plan for the patient um, kind of gives you a flavor of what you're going to be doing in like a few years time. Yeah. And the last question, 
You're just talking about having a hard time talking to people, so. <laughs> what happened? I was talking about not being ready for Zoom school. Your audio cut out. All right, can't... you go, Adam. You <laughs> Okay, great. So we're going to take over for Allie. But our last one actually is very funny. It overlaps with what we wanted to ask as our last question, too. Um, but it's about what is one piece of advice you would give to yourself um, if you could go back to kind of the shoes that we're in right now, clerkship starting in a few months, um, go and tell yourself one thing of maybe encouragement or maybe a pointer, whatever it might be. It's quite a deep question. Very deep. <laughs> deep philosophical question. <laughs> I have a not so deep answer. Nice. Um, I would say to just not feel guilty about not studying over the summer. Um, we were actually supposed to be in school and I still did very little studying. Um, and I did feel kind of guilty about it. Um, but I, there really is no reason to feel guilty about it. Um, take that time for yourself. Um, and, and then just realize like how lucky this is going to sound cheesy, but how lucky we are to be in the position we are. And, and getting to clerkship is, or starting clerkship is so exciting. Um, I, for the whole first week of clerkship and still now, have these moments where I'm like, I can't believe that this is what we get to do for our career. Like, I find it so exciting. We're in this position of privilege to be involved in people's lives in the way we are. Um, and yeah, like enjoy that side of it um, and um, take bits and pieces as they come. Um, and yeah, it's not all going to click. <laughs> still, a lot of it still hasn't clicked for me, but um, we have many more years of trading ahead of us. So just in, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Same. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie's going back and telling all of you the advice for the next uh, couple months and you're all ready for clerkship. <laughs> I think one thing for me is maybe... Um, Enjoy all the rotations while you can, because sometimes this is a lot of the rotations you do, you might never ever do them again. So it's your opportunity to learn as much as you can about something that you may not ever see again, but you know, it's, it's cool to be a part of that experience, right? Because we get to go through a lot of specialties very fast um, and experience a lot of different things. So, you know, trying to make the most of that can be difficult when you're just so caught up with studying or doing this, doing that, all the other things on the side for extracurriculars, for CARMs. But if you take time to try, enjoy, try to enjoy at least some elements of all your rotations, I think you'll come out enjoying it a lot more and taking a lot more from it. For sure. So my answer might be a little bit more long-winded, so I do apologize for that. <laughs> um, but there are going to be a lot of moments throughout clerkship where you feel like you're not enough. Um, where you feel like incompetent or there's going to be self-doubt. Um, there are going to be moments where you will get um, constructive criticism, sometimes just straight up criticism um, <laughs> in front of your whole team. Um, that will happen. I think just not taking those things personally, um, say to your preceptor, thank you for your feedback. I'll go home and study on this topic. You know, if you if you're sad for for that moment, take that sadness, go to your car, drive home listening to Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. um, if you want. But 
use it, like use that emotion, use that sadness, use that um, criticism, use that uh, feedback to motivate you to, to be better, to do better, to, to study, like, you know, like you promised that you would study that topic. Um, and if that preceptor berated you or just made you feel so inconsequential or made you feel small, use that as motivation to be a better preceptor in the future for future generations of med students. Um, I found that when I first started clerkship and I had these moments, I found that I just like, I was sad and I, I like cried and I'm like, what am I doing with this? What am I doing with this emotion? Like I want to, I need to use it to my advantage. And I think that's the advice that I want to give you guys. And um, the second piece of advice, um, just like Sophie said, I think, um, and I've said to your class before too, Adam and Ali, um, like the first time that you cut into a cadaver or the first time you receive your acceptance letter in the mail, I think to never forget those kind of feelings, to never let go of that feeling of excitement of starting a new journey. Like this is, this is no different. This is clerkship and you've worked so, so hard to get to where, where you are now. You are worth it and you are enough. And just like everybody else, you're going to get through this with, um, yeah, with, with a lot of support and a lot of um, belief in yourself. So, um, just don't forget those feelings, you know, and use, be grateful every day that we have this opportunity and um, use the sadness, use the feelings of frustration and, and, and use that to, to just be better, to do better because you are capable. Um, but yeah, sorry, long, long-winded, but I just, that's like a message I really want mm-hmm. you guys to know um, that you're, you're going to be okay. Like no lie. I like started getting emotional there. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. And when we wrote up that question, I had no idea that anyone was going to answer it in that way, but thank you very much, Tracy. We'll be sure to have that on repeat, just like in our headphones all throughout (laughs) clerkship. Anytime something bad happens. That's what we're actually going to listen to instead of on the way home. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. It's not an easy journey. Um, And as someone who has struggled with a lot of self um, like low self-esteem for a very long time, uh, I wish someone had told me this. So I just want you guys to know that this is like an amazing journey. Um, it's, it's so worth it and you guys are all worth it. So yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't think of a better place to end off our episode. No. Well, thank you all for such an enlightening and very anxiety reducing chat. I'm reading the script and it says hopefully anxiety reducing, but I can confirm that that was anxiety reducing. <laughs> So I'm excited for all the first and second years to listen to this episode, maybe even third years, you know, who are nervous about this upcoming block. So mm-hmm. can't rule that out. But uh, thank you so much to each and every one of you for taking time out of your first day of your new block. And uh, we wish you all the best with your uh, following rotations. And hopefully we'll see you in a few months on the actual awards. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you guys so Thanks, much yeah. for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe, y'all. Bring us home, Adam. Okay, cool. So that's it for our show today. Head to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes of Metamorphosis. Uh, This and many other episodes uh, you can check out for all your medical school needs, career decision-making needs, whatever you need. Uh, But on behalf of the entire team, thank you for joining us. Stay safe and remember to wash your hands. Wash them well. Please.
has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 